Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely and a world given back to us. This is Wade, here not in the podcast studio, not in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but in a, uh, I would say, a very lovely Holiday Inn Express hotel room, Michael's room, which we have turned into a temporary studio in which he's been very hospitable. Um, we are joined by two guests today that I will let Michael introduce briefly. So if you listen to our last episode... Oh, you're going to do it now? I just I'll <laughs> let you introduce. Oh, I meant briefly like a little... I understand the confusion. Let's do the early stuff. Let's get out of the way, Michael. Do you want to do... You wanted me to do it briefly as a short? Right. I, or I did, did not speak clearly. I spoke unclearly. So we're part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. I encourage you to go to 1517.org. You can check out all the resources Can you do there. this briefly, please? Yes, I will. <laughs> Um, you can check out all the resources there. Um, if you haven't before, we encourage you, rate, review, subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate that. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can share there. You can comment. You can criticize. Tell me I interrupted Mike too much. Say you like our guests. Say that it was better without Jason. That is all good. Um, lest we go too long in our intro, because I think yesterday we went almost 20 minutes on our intro when we recorded the episode that came out, it would have been July 10th. Now we're recording on July 11th in Omaha, Nebraska. No sheriffs were here today <laughs> at the hotel, so that was yet. That was progress. Yeah, none yet. We've still got time. Michael, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about and who we have with us okay, here today. Okay, so if you listened to the last episode, which you certainly didn't have to, you can go in any order you want and do whatever you want. I'll say it's, you're, Michael, you're Michael was presenting today and he kept saying things like, you don't have to do this, but this is what I like. Yeah. And then I'm going to say like that, you don't have to listen to the previous episode, but Michael would really like it if you did. And the reason for that is I think it was one of our better episodes in a very long time, and we did uh, beauty and a little bit touched on catechesis with Dan Berg, a pastor in Harrisonville, Missouri. Who may and or may not, not be related, related to, to Michael. Okay, got it. And, <laughs> We're leaving um, that out there. And uh, Wade and I are in Omaha for this, our favorite conference. It had, we used to come As down students. to this one pretty regularly when we were just parish pastors. And uh, just Bennett Waco, Bennett Gethsemane, well, just just in the sense of before we were being yep. asked to come down and do something. Um, the, uh, I, that did sound bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think since 2005 or six was probably the first time I was down here. Used to listen to Arnie Kalpine. Used to listen to Daniel Deutschlander. Had some uh, Joel Frederick, I believe, back in the, in the day. Paul Kelpine. <laughs> At one point, I remember, so lots of good times, and uh, enjoying it. Let's just say, uh, with the new crop of teachers, I, this is my second year here, attendance is not as it, as mm -hmm. it once was. But that's I don't okay. understand why. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so we're down here, and, uh, and Wade and I said, let's bring the recording equipment, and we're going to get Tom on. <laughs> Reverend Tom Jeske. I don't believe you. We did. He we did mention. We said, mention I want Phil and before Tom, we left. And we're not going to tell them yeah. so they can't say no. We're going to tell them when we get there. Uh, Phil, Phil Hirsch, who is the district president. Very powerful uh, man. Uh, very powerful <laughs> man. Uh, a bishop. Yes. Oh, in a, in a, of a, sorts. Uh, archbishop, even. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I could picture him squirming right now if you're Yeah, that. that's right. Anyway. Do you know he lives in a limestone farmhouse that's a couple hundred years Early. old? I didn't know Really? Yeah. In Kansas. You know, you got to build... With what you have, right? Mm. And oh, they had limestone. And so they own an old, old, old Kansas farmhouse. Mm. Walls are two feet thick, limestone. Well, that's going to last a while. Yeah, it's, I wonder it's, how it, the Wi-Fi is, though. It burned. Yeah. It burned, and they just rebuilt it. You know, I mean, the building yeah. stood. Huh. So sounds about right. When you think of Phil, think of an old limestone farmhouse. Yeah. I'm going to throw him under the bus here. Uh he was honored to be asked, and I took that as authentic. Um, and he said, I have to write a paper that was due yesterday. So uh, he had to go home early, and then uh, uh, Pastor Jeske has been gracious enough to come on here. And the reason why we wanted him on here was it's really thoughtful about catechism, 
and not just catechism like the pastor does it, but in the home a little bit, and has published some things on that. And so we thought today we'd talk about the home altar. Both Dan and Tom have done some publishing and a lot, a lot of thought about that. And so that's why we're here. And then I asked uh, Pastor Jessica, I said, uh, he said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, whatever you want. And you immediately said, albums that came out in 1973. So that's our free for all. So uh, disclaimer and then music and then free for all. You ready? Well, how about we do this? I'm trying to do it briefly. We let, we let. Oh, introduce him. Yes, we let Dan introduce himself yesterday. Uh, Tom, would you briefly or not briefly, I'm going to leave it up to you what you'd like to do. Like to tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your place of ministry. That's a wide open field. <laughs> you go where you want to go. Okay. My understanding is you have like eight vacancies you're serving Do- right now. Doctor Jeske lives in Omaha, Nebraska. That would be my wife. <laughs> She's a soil scientist at the university. <clears throat> Studies dirt. She would have liked our text for uh, opening dirt, service yeah. yesterday. Um, I'm an old guy, happy to, I I think our point of connection is probably Tyler Peel, so if Tyler's listening, we, we, uh, it's a tip of the hat to Tyler, who was one of my boys when he came into the ministry, and we used to meet monthly for our uh, pastor's study in the back of Mel's Bar in Scribner, Nebraska. We had a round table, and it was wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, and Tyler will, he will tell us he listens. I don't know if he actually does. So <laughs> well, now you'll he may or may not sure. either. We're going to tell him. Mm-hmm. I will, I'll message it to him. Yeah. yeah. Right. So short and sweet, God is merciful to fools and sinners. I'm well qualified on both counts. Happy to be here today. Sort of flattered to be asked. I'm afraid I'll say something coquettish or girlish that's because the, the fun of the podcast are, is being afraid of what you're going to say guys are talking to me and <laughs> making me feel important <laughs> and serve a parish of uh how many how many dear souls you don't want to know you don't it's, know. Um, okay. so little i've been in small congregations my whole ministry which is going on 40 years always uh-huh. been small any of you always been in omaha where you serve elsewhere <clears throat> I started out as a tutor in michigan nice and uh, since that time, been in the Nebraska district, uh, Denver and Omaha. Okay. And for our non-Wells, non-Wisconsin Senate listeners, uh, the Nebraska... Tudor. Yeah, we have uh, yeah, two things term. that we should do. Define so Tudor is one or two years, often two years, I think, right? It's a house mother. Yeah, that you're in the dorms to, at our prep teaching. schools, right, which we still have. Yeah. Define your terms, right? Yeah. And then our districts... Um, I know, like for our Missouri Senate listeners, they're used to districts. Um, they have more than us, so I don't think they're usually as geographically big. But the Nebraska dist- district, you mentioned Nebraska, like seven and Denver, states. it's right? huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when Phil is not in his limestone house, right, he's on the he's, road. He's on the road. He's he is traveling a lot. I think our our smallest geographically has to be Southeast Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't know, because it's, well, maybe. But, but we should say that Phil drives a grandma car. I saw him yesterday pull in in his <laughs> 90s Buick LeSabre. Nice. So LeSabre. That, that says something about the man. You know, he doesn't does. have to have a cool car. Yeah. I can remember him pulling up on a, a pickup truck where, like, I can't believe that made it. Yeah, like a little Ranger S10, yeah. 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 I, I remember like, that. Uh, With the expandable foam coming out of the rust <laughs> spots. That's, yeah. right. that's right. This is our guy. We love that's, him. Yeah. 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 Right. Now, this how show, about you try to remember our disclaimer, Michael, since we didn't remember to bring this it. This show doesn't speak for us. No, this our show employers. doesn't speak for our, us, our church, our church body. Employers, church bodies. It probably doesn't even speak, speak for, for us. us. You should listen. We'll be thinking out loud. A lot. A lot. You should be. So you should listen with a healthy Skepticism, skepticism like which was what you should do with just about everything, everything as a, as a responsible re- citizen of planet, planet Earth. Earth. Free press. Yeah, and we're yeah. just, uh, so it's just a podcast. If you find yourself getting worked up. Too worked up, too worked up. Look around, realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a and podcast. And go live free, friends, and, and don't, don't let, let us get in, get the, in way. the way. There we go.
And that brings us to our free-for-all, which I am going to let Michael introduce, and then we are going to throw to uh, our newest guest, uh, to Tom. Michael, why don't you int- we've, we haven't done a free-for-all in a while, so if we've yeah. got new listeners, oh, free for we used to do this all the time, and I would say an inordinate amount of the free-for-alls were about animal fights. Yeah, and it was super annoying. It was Who would fight? <laughs> or baseball. Opposable thumbs. And so either it was annoying to me or to our listeners. One of the uh, Listeners, either it was their favorite part or their least favorite part. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, it's fun. I, I well, used to skip them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that's <laughs> we put timestamps in the notes precisely so people could skip the free-for-all if they wanted to. But I'd encourage you to listen because I think this is going to be a fun one. Michael, go ahead. So, music and rock and roll. And I think... For our generation, which is uh, parents who were baby boomers and grand- grandparents who were the greatest generation, there was a deep appreciation for the music of the, the 60s and the 70s. So I can remember as a high schooler, uh, yeah, there was Nirvana, that was fine, and Pearl Jam, that was fine. But what we really liked were the albums of, of your high school age. And you were <coughs> reminiscing that 1973 was, this was the year you graduated high school, yes? No, it's 50 years ago. Okay, just Please be a little, years. pick up on these <laughs> things. It's 2023, so. Yeah, you're right. Uh, f- so 50 years ago, was a, that's anniversary. Yeah. And you were thinking that was a big year for albums, so. Okay. You, you and Michael us. actually does listen to music from it, because um, I know Michael, I don't know how long, and I finally just asked him, what kind of music do you like? And it was a, uh, a lot of 70s rock. And I thought he was maybe just messing with me because I had always pictured him for, like gangster rap. You know, he just looks <laughs> gangster rap. I w- and, uh, but you would agree, Wade and Daniel. I might agree. I'm not, I'm not sure. That there was a healthy respect for a Led Zeppelin and a Beatles and the Rolling yeah. Stones in the 1990s. Well, I grew up with my parents listening to that. 1990s, yeah. right? Which was kind of fun. Yeah. It was kind of fun. And my, my daughter... My youngest daughter in particular, who was going to be in high school, she kind of digs that stuff too. Well, and I think also 90s rock borrowed a lot from the 70s, oh, sure like now. drew a lot on the 70s. I mean, it, well, whether the grunge, the alternative, a lot of that, if you, back in the day when you actually read album, you know, you get the album oh, and you read. Absolutely. Or you didn't have the internet, so you like read magazines. <laughs> they would talk about what they were listening to growing up, and it was often yeah, this. So, Tom, take us back to your high school age. And yeah, what I got it. I got to say, listening to? We, we grew up on the Beatles. We, How we, long was I, the hair right now? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> the, I mean in the 60s, the, the Beatles. My, I was, I'm one of five kids. We all would attack the newspaper with scissors and slice, cut out pictures and any news article. There was can you can you can this clink through your brain that the Beatles had f- at one point they had five out of the top ten songs mm. in the top ten. Can you imagine such a thing? Not today, yeah. So when I bought my first album that wasn't a Beatles album, I felt kind of dirty, you <laughs> know, because I was betraying, um, you know, the the deep magic the the Beatles were above all. But when you got to nineteen 19- 70, you know, there was a little bit of a turn. And um, I have this thing here that says albums turning 50 in 2023. And I'm not going to try to bore anybody or pretend that our tastes in music are the same, (coughs) nor am I going to mention names that are necessarily my favorites. That's fair. But (coughs) these are first albums. I'm in a band's first album. We used to argue in the dormitory about when a when a band's first album came out, they were just coming out of the bars. This this was who they were. Authentic. But their the second stuff, yeah. their second album usually was a rush job because if they yeah. got any popularity, the company said pump something else out. And they still talk about those sophomore slumps today. But listen to this list of albums from 1973. I was a junior in high school. Aerosmith's first album. Really? Okay. All right. Um, Elton John, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. Alice Cooper, Billion Dollar Baby. Nice. (laughs) Okay. 
um, Dark Side of the Moon. Like yeah. it's been the best selling yeah. album forever. I actually saw Pink Floyd in concert as a kid because my cousins took me. ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. The Doobie Brothers were a big thing. Their record was called The Captain and Me. My parents had that album. Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy. So you're past the seminal first three records, but a first four record. But there's some some good stuff on that. Um, Bob Marley. So he had not died at age 36 yet. I heard there's a new... There's a big epic coming out about Bob Marley. Really? Movie. movie life. Um, Eagles. Now, I'm not a... When people think of the Eagles, they think of the California scene and the smooth music, but the first two Eagles albums were not that. They really were good. They were <laughs> country rock and yeah. not California smooth. Huh. And I used to sit up in uh, Professor Professor Schitze's uh, third floor with his son, John, and we'd listen to Desperado. This is Desperado, their second record. We just wanted to be Glenn Fry, if you know who that was. You know, jeans and a hockey jersey and long hair. Um, Bowie, Aladdin Sane, Paul Simon, there goes Ryman Simon, Joe Walsh, the smoker you drink, the player you get. So if you know Rocky Mountain Way... um, I hate Joe Walsh's voice. (laughs) To me, that would be punishment to listen to him for eternity. But all can be forgiven for that song, Rocky Mountain. You know, Um, Steely Dan. How about this? Now, I'm not a Queen fan. This was pre-Bohemian Rhapsody, but their first album. Really? Come on. You know, you gotta. You should. uh, ZZ Top, Trace Ombres. Holy cow. What a year. That is a big year. What a yeah. year. Yeah. Um, Grand Funk Railroad. I had a, a roommate at Northwestern from Michigan, and he brought this box of records along with him and Motown and yeah. Grand Funk, and he took a lot of abuse for <laughs> it. But he, did, he was into Bob Seeger before Seeger got big, and then that hit while we were at school. Um, Jethro Tull... The Allman Brothers Band, Brothers and Sisters, um, lovely, you know, Jessica, instrumental, you know that one? Um, and here's my favorite, Leonard Skinner's first album. Yeah. Huh. I'm telling you, as a northern Midwesterner, you go through ice storm after ice storm, you don't see the sun all the month of January, yeah. and then you get four or five guys in a car and you drive south on spring break, soon as you cross the Missouri River, I mean the Ohio River, the air smells different, the soil looks different. Something (laughs) about that. Something about that, Skinner. (laughs) I have a ticket from seeing them, uh, the original band, before they were just a tribute band. I still (laughs) have it. It's my most important possession. You know a band is good when when Kid Rock... Steals oh. part of the melody for a song as well. So, you know, and as, a, as, a, as a Michigan, the first six hundred thousand times you heard "Sweet Home Alabama," you could put up with it. I don't. That's not. That's not what I'm talking about. That's something about that music. Just. I'm also wanted to praise Kid Rock. Oh my! There, there is a Netflix series on uh, Leonard Skinner. Oh yeah, and they're like. Uh, I'll try beginning. to do this fast. Jackson Brown for every man. Um, Lou Reed, uh, Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. You know, your parents probably had that record. Yep. Um, the Who, Quadrophenia, so they're coming off. They're super, they're super starred. John that. Lennon's still alive. Uh, Black Sabbath. So, Billy Joel, Piano Man. Come on, what a year really? for, for oh. records to come out, right? Huh. 50, this is oh, 50 that is a big years year. ago. And... Um, Emerson Lake and Palmer, nobody knows who they were anymore, but they were oh, sure, they yeah, were yeah. powerful at yeah. the time. Big arena band. Um, so that's that's, that's what list. was that's mm. quite a list. Fifty years. All right, I'm All right gonna, Michael, my, I'm gonna my throw favorite it. of this okay. of that list is uh, Led Zeppelin. That was that that album was like it was just a different Led Zeppelin sound, and I really liked it. What's your favorite of that list? I. 
bought Quadrophenia oh, uh, when you I was were. in high school. It, was in, it had a little who uh, phase for sure. a couple of years mm-hmm. there, and then uh, that gave way to Led a Zeppelin. Chick, a chick repellent that. Quadrophenia, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's interesting the, uh, stuff. I was going to throw at you, Michael. So we'll, we'll go. What's your favorite? Out of, out of all those? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. It's one that's Kid Rock. Yeah. I'm going to go with Leonard Skinner because of Kid Rock. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like Leonard Skinner. I missed one. Band There's, on the Run, Paul oh, McCartney. Yeah. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you know it even if you don't like right. it. You know? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So we'll go 20 years, Michael, to our heyday. No, so right. we were in high school, 1993. All right. So that's I'm just going to give you a, a couple of these. 1993. Biggest right. albums of 1993. All right. You want to call not, that 30 years? Or what band do you think has number one? Oh, that's 30. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, it's not going to be... That was, a, that was the year I had my last math class, probably. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, 1993. So we are sophomores? Um, yeah, probably. Freshman to sophomore. I believe Prince came out with something that year. Uh, might be down a bit, but... Or maybe This would have been before. this band's, I believe, second album, and it was a big hit. Pearl Jam? Uh, okay, that's also one of theirs. Nirvana in Utero. Okay. That's yeah, their second album. Yeah. The second one, Lives Forever. I'm not a big Nirvana fan, by the way. Enter the Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang <laughs> oh, Clan. Yeah, that, that. Third was Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins, which was a, a very good album. I remember yeah. rocking that one. Fourth, now I'm not endorsing his language or some of the content, but probably one of, from a, from a, an unsanctified perspective, one of the best hip-hop albums ever made. All Eyes on Me. And, uh, oh, that would be up there. Um, every, uh, almost every car in the Livonia Franken parking lot had this cassette tape. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, yeah. would have been up there. But number five, you are correct, verse by Pearl Jam. I'm going to give you six just because I know you detest them. But I enjoy them. Counting Crows. August and everything after. <laughs> Counting Crows. I think 1973 wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going down. <laughs> a little, just a little bit. Yeah. I, I, the Nirvana, I like. I think that's solid. It's a very important album. I'm just not a huge Nirvana guy. You know yeah. who also? Billy Joel, River of Dreams. So he makes an appearance on both lists. Probably Aerosmith is pretty close to having their, uh, their last one there, too. Early Lenny 90s. Kravitz, Crash Test Dummies. Once. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, 1973 wins. Man. And that's why we were listening. Okay, then to, that's settled. We were listening to House of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was listening to most of this this music. Sure. <laughs> but I can remember, like, we're not, we're not, you know, you were records. Aerosmith oh. is also yes. on here. <laughs> get a grip. Yep, get a grip. And, uh, but we, we would, we had the advantage of having, like, the, the multiple CD sets. So you could go. All of Led Zeppelin, all of the Beatles, all of Queen, all of whatever for you know it would be a hefty price, but you had everything. Yeah, and all the words. Yeah. You know but what? Not, I, not not the the cover art. You know what's on here that um that most uh, somewhat it, this was like a um, suburban girl growing up <laughs> artist or album, Sarah McLaughlin. Oh sure, um, fumbling towards ecstasy. <sighs> Although the the the, the Cheryl, suburban girl growing up album, the number one, you knew you were in trouble if you were on the phone landline with your girlfriend and this artist was playing. Do you have? I know who comes. Well, I was going to say there's probably a Cheryl Crow in there. Oh, I was going to say yeah, she's on there, but Alanis Morissette. Oh, oh. Yeah. that that was the angry. I don't even know what I did wrong, but I'm going to apologize the moment I hear. <laughs> at playing. But a 73 wins by a lot. That is a good year. That is a very good year. Okay. Michael, what do you think? I think that was we, a good free-for-all to come I back with. Good. Yeah. I think That's a should, great list. We should. I think that is up there with oppo- uh, uh, Opposable Thumbs were a game changer, which was a good free-for-all. And uh, the ultimate battle royal f- uh, animal fights. But we did Absolutely. have other ones like, did we do What's Your Favorite Thing That Causes Cancer? I don't think we got allowed to do that one, but we wanted to. Maybe we we did like what's a bit more a more manual man manly way to duel than an actual duel. Mm-hmm. 
we did that one. Those were those were more creative than animal fights. Yeah. I thought. No, anyway, animal I fights we, are the peak. <laughs> I think we should move on though to her because we don't want these guys are good on this. Stuff. Yeah. So, so why don't we go ahead and uh, I'm going to say a few things while I make sure I'm on the right thing to hit, and now I'm on the right thing, so I'm going to make a natural transition. And so with that, we will make our way to the main topic. brings us to our main topic and uh i guess i will open with confession if that's okay michael Mm -hmm. you don't have to absolve me you can do that later um but i will say this is an episode that i was very excited when um the concept of doing it came up because this is something i wish i had done better now that i've got three kids who've graduated high school um one who's gonna be a sophomore one who's in eighth grade and it's one of those things that as father i wish i could go back and have done better um, that would be the, the first thing that comes to mind. But secondly, having grown up in Roman Catholicism, when I, I remember first coming to Lutheranism and, and you would hear professors talk about the home altar, and I remember picturing what I would often see in Roman Catholic households or households of my relatives, which was a kind of a dedicated space um, where you would have candles, maybe some icons, a statue, um, and it, it was a, a place of, of prayer often maybe in the house, but something very different than what we mean as Lutherans when we're talking about a, a home altar. Um, we may or may not, when we're talking about a Lutheran home altar, there may or may not be decorations. Um, there can be a place for art. Hopefully we talk a little bit about it. I think there's definitely part of our Reformational heritage, broadsheets were, Woodcuts and the catechism, a very big part of something that would be in the house. But I think this topic, when, when it was mentioned, um, part of what excited me about it is it's a term that I think we were on the tail end of hearing a lot while we were getting going through our, the, our educational system in the Synod, and probably a term that a lot of our younger listeners um, or non-Lutheran listeners go well, what is that? Like, do you have a literal altar in in your house? And I think Mike does. Um, he, uh, with his anointing oil that he swears he doesn't have, but I'm sure he secretly has in his office. Uh, but I, I think this is something in our Lutheran heritage that would be nice to see more people recover. And it's it's really how Luther intended the catechism to be used um most of us if i didn't go through catechism class i went through adult instruction but i'm guessing the three of you did we think catechism we think a pastor we think sitting in a room with other students we think having to go up and do memory work uh stuff of that sort but this was what what luther meant for the catechism to be and i do hope uh dan and tom especially um, since you're you're working on projects with this, I would be really interested in the broadsheet thing or concepts of that as a place. Or, um, but maybe I'll throw to you guys to begin, and then I'm gonna, as with the last episode, which I think went well because we did this. I'm gonna largely mute myself and let you do the interviewing because you did so well, Michael, yesterday. Yeah, so, but you 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 didn't not interrupt me all of the time. <laughs> but I interrupted you way less than I normally do. I don't know. Credit where credit I, is due. I, I don't know. I think you actually were worse. The only time I interrupted was to keep saying may or may not be I related. I will say this. Because you this. did not respect that. I will that. say this. When you did interrupt, it was on point this Help. time, when well, usually you. it's not on point. Well, thank you. Um, but I would toss out to the two of you, because I listened to Michael for, was it four hours today? Three. And you listened to me... Two I thought you half. were four and I was three. Anyways, we listen to each other a lot, so we want to hear you guys. But maybe if we could just open with, when you hear home altar, what comes to mind, whether that be your own experience as child or parent, um, but just as, as people interested in catechesis um, or 
people familiar with what this this was for generations in the Lutheran past. So I'll throw that out. Mike will take over. But what what comes to mind when you hear that home altar? So when I hear home altar, I go back to when I was in college and struggling with guilt and stuff like that, and I don't remember exactly who or what was said, um, but it directed me towards like uh, a robust daily devotional life, uh, and I started following down that path and eventually getting into like the daily offices, you know, vigils, uh, lauds, matins, and prime, ter- you know, all of that through Vespers and Compline. And I got a book in um, the Brotherhood Prayer Book uh, when I was in the seminary. And then um, when I was a vicar, I set up a, a home <laughs> altar um, because I knew I did not want to pray, but I needed to pray. And so I, I wanted to have something that I, I couldn't walk by, I couldn't avoid. I would have to see it every day uh, as a reminder. There's rest here that you need. <laughs> Um, because I was always like running from that and just holding on to guilt and shame and things like that. And so for me, um, when I was living alone before we got married, um, I, I always had a physical space where you could, you had a Bible, you had the, um, when the treasury of daily, daily prayer came out, had that, had the catechism. Uh, and, uh, of course I saw it, but I didn't always use it. Um, and I love my, one of my favorite quotes is John Kleinig, who said, the story of my prayer life is the story of my failure. Um, and thinking about with children, like you, you brought up, um, and, and hopefully I'd like to talk you know, more about that, you know, getting to using the catechism with kids, uh, praying the catechism with kids. That was the oldest is 10 right now. I think the first eight years, just massive failure. Uh, and I don't want that for my kids anymore. Like, I want them to be given rest in a regular uh, and constant way like that. But, so that, this is where I go with home uh, I sent my two oldest off to Big Ten schools, and I figured they'll take care of it. Should be good. Whatever, whatever I had lacking, <laughs> the but, Big Ten will but there's, fill there's, those gaps. There's a point there, like, I massive failure, and my youngest is 14, so... Um, but it's kind of one of those things like I didn't go to um, parochial grade school. I did, I did go to a parochial high school, but not to grade school. And we did have some devotional life growing up, but my kids, we've been blessed with sending them to Lutheran schools. And that was my non-absolution absolution, <laughs> right? And shame on me for that, you know. Um, but yeah, so... Tom, what do you think about when we say family altar? <clears throat> I don't really want to talk about myself. <laughs> I, I, um, the, the, the term and the word, that, that's not part of my life or experience. When I was assigned to be a vicar, um, which is after two years of the seminary, one of the profs said, if you read four chapters <clears throat> of the Bible a day, you get through the Bible in a year. And I thought, I need to do that. You know, another, another professor said, after 10 years in the ministry, there should be no corner of the scriptures that you're unfamiliar with. So that was where I guess I started paying attention. That, that year I was a mid, northern, midwestern kid, and uh, wind up in Arizona, which was, you know, what could be more different. And so that's what I, that's what I did. That's when I started reading. And, and maybe, uh, I'm going to ask one more question, Michael, before I throw it to you. When we, and, and maybe even if we move away a little bit from just talking home or family altar, uh, but catechesis and the catechism, uh, I, I think... In our setting, in a school setting, the Bible, for instance, it gets put on a textbook list for our classes because it is, you have to have a Bible. Um, I think for a lot of people, if they think back to catechism, they think of catechism class, um, and the catechism was 
in many ways a textbook. Uh, it is a text, like the Bible is a text. But maybe if we if we move a little bit from just home altar, family altar talk, but to what the catechism, in your view, and in, as you understand Luther's view, was meant to be and what's its place and why have both of you worked on projects for putting it out in an accessible and, um, in, in the case of, of, of Tom, the book, you can easy to carry way. What you're after is it's not a textbook, it's something more. Right, and, and how does it fit with the life? Is this just didactic? I'm mem- why, why even are they memorizing these things, right? Is this just I've learned it and it's data? Um, what are you? So if we broaden this to, to catechesis, catechesis and catechesis in the home, and, and when I say in the home too, I don't mean just someone with a wife and kids. I mean the average mm-hmm. Christian. This could be the single Christian who is, is going back to their house, their apartment, um, and that the the catechism, as well as the Bible, um, and maybe we can hit on the relationship between the two. But but this is this is part of more than just the church space. Uh, I'll throw that out, and then I'll um, let Michael take over. Yeah, I, uh, catechism as a prayer book. Class um, has that book, um, praying the catechism, which is fantastic. Um, but seeing seeing this book as uh, not not just the th- the thing that we force middle school aged kids to memorize uh, before they get to be confirmed but to, but this is what when you find out that your uh, wife is pregnant with your first child um, you just start reading it to her uh, and you get them familiar with it because this is the, the, uh, this is the Enchiridion, the, the little short sword. This is the uh, faith that we want them to be equipped with. Uh, and so you just pray it. You say it out loud. You, you do it the way you guys were doing the, your little intro. Like you, you were you, like saying a, another word, like trying to get yeah, them. Sure. <laughs> get, yeah, I mean, you, you do that. I've, I've, uh, our five-year-old is, is able to um, speak along with the catechism because we're just saying it. A lot, nice. which and is, so it forms it forms it in them without it the torture of middle school uh, memory work. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're I want my kids and the kids in my congregation to be familiar with the catechism the way that I grew familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We just prayed it, which is something interesting. Like I think sometimes we think, well, we have to fully explain everything no no sometimes the words come first like it takes a while to understand what the word hollowed means i don't totally get it still you know but the but the 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 kid who's not yet in school is still <laughs> allowed to pray that prayer yeah right even if he can't write uh he can't articulate what hollowed means yeah right yeah okay tom tell me Broad, go wherever you want okay. with with what what right. what do you want what do you want to talk about? And I I think at some point if we could get to, um, I think the uh, Tom has a sheet he shared with us. If there's maybe I can put some of this in the show notes, but the a wee bit of history section I think would be interesting at some point if you're able to hit two. But <coughs> but if maybe we stick with the catechism thing well, for I'm now and <coughs> and if 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 one of you wants to even do what is a catechism might be something that some of our listeners mm-hmm. this sounds foreign to, but yeah. Okay, try to put a time limit on this. Give me three or four minutes. But sure. Many catechisms, there's not just one, right? Many catechisms in the Middle Ages, usually they had three parts, which we would recognize as the first three parts of our catechism. You had the law and the gospel and the prayer, right? The law shreds me and stamps on me like a spider. You know what a spider looks like when you <laughs> step on it in the laundry room? And then the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes along and says, what would you think about being alive again? And and then prayer is, yay. And so those three parts were always part of the catechism in the, Rome, in the med- medieval church. But then the catechism got always got larded up with 
all kinds of weird stuff at the back. Nobody can ever leave the catechism alone, right? So there were visions of Mary, and there were stories of the apostles. Philip Melanchthon appended the book of Colossians to his catechism. You, you, know, you know, we can't leave it alone either. Yeah. And, and, and uh, let me say, this isn't a scornful statement, but look at our... Did you grow up on the blue catechism, yeah, what we call the blue? Yeah. I call that the Britannica, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, I'm not, not in mockery. It yeah. has its place, yeah. but that's not a daily... That you're not going to... When kids finish with the catechism, you throw it in the corner. And I would, I would venture that a number of our listeners and many kids who finish catechism think that big blue book is the catechism, mm-hmm. right? When they think mm-hmm. back, they don't think to... This, this little text that you can yeah, carry around. Right. You know. So the, the blue catechism is a good thing. Let me say it, and God bless the publishing house. You know, it's got a glossary, and it's got an appendix. And, you know. But as I understand it, the catechism was about 20 pages of text when it first came out. And then Luther said it must be illustrated. Now, the very first ones were not... But then, Cranach and et, et al. Um, are you familiar with a book called Brand Luther? Have you yeah. Heard? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Phenomenal stop. Books. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they had these Getty images. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. With me, they had these Getty images of knights and ladies and and and, and kings and people on horseback and the and the artists of the Northern Renaissance were learning perspective. So there's those mountains and hills in the background. But here's, a, here's an interesting thing, and maybe if I say nothing more today, I'd li- like to leave you with this. Why did the illustrations fall out of the catechism? All the European catechisms are illustrated. And when I went to school, we had just text. Yeah. And I've got a shelf of catechisms that have come to me willy-nilly from here and there, and they're all just text. So what, what an interesting question why did the catechism lose its illustrations when luther said it's got to be illustrated because we can't handle abstract thought i mean you you know from your own congregations teaching bible class very few people can pluck ideas out of the air you got to give them two or three and say which do you like you know which of these do you like so this old green paperback catechism 1983 Kelpine Hartwig this is the first illustrated catechism in the United States oh, really how about that put that in your pipe and smoke it yeah it was the first one and why why I, I, I'm going to venture an opinion and it's not the gospel but I'm going <laughs> to venture an opinion so the immigrants come over right and they got their old catechisms. But you're, in, you're on the frontier, for Pete's sake. You got riverboats, and you got Indians, and you got raccoons, right? And, and you got border wars between Nebraska and Kansas. And there was nothing that fit from those old illustrations. That was a different world. And so they just dropped it. And... And so these guys knew the value of an illustrated catechism. So just say, the original catechism, 20, pa- 20 sides, 20 sheets. If you're going to illustrate, now you've got 40 sheets, right? And by illustrate, what you mean is um, images from daily life. Graphic. You don't mean, yes. yeah. Yes. We don't mean like the old blue catechism that had a ton of charts. No. Yeah. Yeah. Graphics. Yeah. So yeah. graphics. So now you got, now it's doubled in size, right? So we tried mightily to keep this to 100 pages. Mightily, I'm telling you. And that this is entitled, God Tells Us About Himself, Martin Luther's Catechism with Pictures, and it's from Martin Luther. Print shop, Martin Luther College. If anybody would want one, print shop, Martin Luther College, five bucks. And, and, uh, we tried very hard, and even then we larded it up because it's got not just the six chief parts, but it's got the six church treasures in the back. 
you know what I'm talking about. Duty, hymns, scripture, prayers, right? So it, it, the, we can't leave it alone, right? You can't leave it alone. It always gets fatter than it needs to be. But if you think of a miller, of a farmer going to the mill and he's waiting in line, Luther said, we want a pamphlet in his pocket. You know the story yeah. of the visitation. I'm not trying to be a, an expert here. But they, you, you've read Luther's words when they went on the visitation. Good. God, we're doomed. Yep, yep. Nobody knows how to write a sermon. Nobody knows the Lord's Prayer. These guys are living with Priests their housekeepers. Don't know it. Yeah. Right. And so he said, we're just sunk. There's no hope for us. You know, your, your point today in, in lectures about who is the church, where is the church, that's what those guys were thinking. Are we even church? Yep. We've lost everything. We've been excommunicated. And then, they sa- and, and then somebody said, we're doomed unless we start at square one, you know. And so the, there's Luther's catechism, came from the Beit Bich line, the, uh, um, 1522, I think he wrote, he started with this, but then by the time he's got a little boy, Vasistas, you know, he, he's, he writes a very childlike yet profound um, little booklet, and he and he there were five chief parts, right? We all know that. And then the sixth came later. They bunked confession in there, which is mm. good. Yep, yep. And so I'm going to say, but amen. it definitely you can tell feels like it came later. Yeah, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. With um, with you mentioned with the history as well. Then um, the idea of having it illustrated. And having it as something that the the worker in the field could have on them, maybe if we can connect that a little bit to the scriptures in the context of the time, right? That uh, what is what does Luther see, or what do we see today? As the we live in a day and age where I've I've got the Bible on my phone, I've got all kinds of copies of Bibles. I have it on my computer. Sometimes people say, well, the, the catechism was the, the Bible for lay, lay people in a time where the Bible was not easy to get. It was not accessible. Not everyone was literate, which is part of the reason to learn it. Mm-hmm. You guys have both put efforts into making the catechism accessible. What would you say is the role, the value, the place of the catechism? Um, because I think some people would hear Lutherans talk about catechisms and say, why do you need that? especially maybe general American mm-hmm. Protestants, mm-hmm. I've got my Bible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, all I need is my Bible. Mm-hmm. What would you say to, and you've, I'm sure you've said this to new members or t- even to your own people in the parish, What what is the, the place and the purpose and the role of the catechism in a day and age where we have the Bible readily accessible? Cool. Yeah, that's a, um, think about Romans 10, um, and all of those questions that he's asking, you know, um, uh, about our salvation and hearing the word of God, and how can they, how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? Uh, and he he doesn't say how can they hear unless they have the scriptures, which would have, I mean, that would have been accurate, but we need a preacher. Uh, and and in a way, uh, so I've got the Bible. And I'm I'm reading Isaiah, uh, and I'm walking back to Africa, um, and I'm looking through this, and then here's this this or I'm not riding, I'm riding the chariot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here's this guy that shows You're up. You're also a eunuch. Yeah, which is also, I also have a problem. The bad news is <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. we don't need that detail, but yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what is. What's this, what's this does? What, what, what's going on here? Uh, I need someone to preach it to me. And uh, in, a, in a way, the, the catechism, when I don't have, when I don't have a, a, a preacher who can speak uh, words that beat on my eardrums, uh, the, the catechism can do this explanation to me. It can preach to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Two things. Like one is catechism as, as prayer. We've, we've, we've heard that for like... Catechism as preachment, yeah, right, is is kind of an interesting thing, and and what you mean, I mean, if I'm an evangelical, I'm like, oh, so then I need the interpretation of the Pope, right? Yeah. You know, no, what we mean is that 
It's not a textbook. Yes. It's something for you. It's something for you. And, yeah, I get there's danger there that we need the interpretation of the church. You know what's even worse? Your interpretation. Yeah, someone's going to, it's <laughs> either just me or someone else. And, and, and I don't mean that, like, oh, you're going to be an arrogant person. No, you know what's, what, what's really dangerous? So you're going to fall into despair and unknowing. Yeah. And you need someone to say that you're saved. And isn't that what the catechism is really doing? Yeah. Like, I'm going to yeah. tell you, this is how, this is, this is what God did for you, right? I, I often yeah. tell my students. Which is the title of your little, right? Your, your God version. God tells us about, God yeah. tells yeah. us about himself, yeah. And I often will tell my students when we're discussing the solas, um, as Lutherans, we hold the scripture alone, but we, we never read scripture alone. Just like we hold the faith alone, but faith is never alone. Faith, living faith, prison. And we you read, mean that by like it's impossible to think that with you the do church, it. Yeah. right? And if we're not reading it with the church, and we're reading it on our own, we're reading it with all the baggage that we're bringing of, of your culture into it as well. Um, and so, for those who are not familiar with, we and we have a small and large catechism in our Lutheran confessions. For people not familiar with the small catechism, and that may be people who went through catechism class but only ever used the big books, even. Um, I think Luther realized there's a need to orient ourselves again and again as we go to the Word uh, because we can easily lose sight of, right, what do we call these, the chief parts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe with that, um, Tom, your, your thoughts as you, you, you mentioned the importance of illustrations. And I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, Chronic's got the Ten Commandments, and he's got kind of like a scandalous Sixth Commandment <laughs> even there. You know, there's... Um, it's like a soap opera. <laughs> what uh, and so before we inevitably do this when we start talking before the episode. But before the episode, um, you also talked about the thing with images is that they, they can sometimes become outdated because you're trying to picture people. So you look at images from Luther's time and they're wearing mm-hmm. clothes from that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing things people would be doing in that time. Mm-hmm. What um, and we can talk about illustrations and sermons, but that's. We mean a different thing than what we're doing here. What um, what's the, what does that say about the catechism, perhaps, and its relationship to our daily life, to our everyday life, um, our l- vertical life and our horizontal, mm-hmm. that Luther wants these pictures mm-hmm. that draw our attention beyond the mind and, and and into life together. And if Dan, if you have stuff too, but. But why do you think that, um, what does that say about the catechism that he wanted the pictures? Dan, I'll yield to you at any time. I'm just going to say something. The, the Bible is pretty intimidating, 1,700 pages in English, you know. So I, I often say to people, the catechism doesn't replace the Bible. If you have to make a choice, you know, toss the catechism and stay with your Bible. But the catechism is a door. And Luther, Luther said... Let's let's just say he said we're gonna we're gonna put the Bible into six we're gonna melt it boil it down make soup out of it it's gonna be six parts it could have been ten or it could have been two law and gospel but he made six right or five we 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 know and um, <clears throat> so I my, my I'm just gonna my my I got kind of a motley family. We have a son who has uh, some developmental disabilities, and we have a daughter we adopted. Somebody We weren't madly seeking to adopt a child, but we learned about a little girl who didn't have a home. So, <clears throat> you know, you got to be adaptable, right? And, and if I may say so, and I realize the thin ice I'm on, that the Britannica, it, it doesn't lend itself to that when you're at home you finished eating supper, and you you want to. You can always say, you can open this up to any page and say, "What's happening in this picture?" It's the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to know how to. You don't have to have a degree to be a teacher. You just say, "What's happening in this picture? How many people do you see?" Right, and um, so I think Luther knew that, and and he knew that. Before you ever hit the text, your eyes go to the page. If you look at a children's Bible, a beginner's Bible, there are some good ones and some a lot of duds. Mm-hmm. You know, I call it the hero. 
hero stories. You should be more like Daniel. You should be more mm-hmm. like David. You should mm-hmm. be more like Elijah. But a children's Bible, three quarters of the page is illustrations and one quarter is text. You know, that's how you begin to teach, right? And, and we might think to ourselves, well, we know so much that we can have a whole page of text, but you know what it's like. You lose your focus. and So God bless the faithful teachers, men and women, who have taught us the catechism. But Luther said, unless we have something that a teamster can have in his pocket while he's waiting in line, unless we have something that a mom of little kids can stick in a plant in the kitchen to grab when she's drying her hands off, just look at a page. Just look at one page. Um, yeah. Dan, you have anything with that? I don't want to. Yeah, with I mean, with with illustrations, and especially if uh, there's a if you're repeatedly using the same illustration, uh, then whatever whatever text is uh, there with it, when once you see it, so uh, like you just said, you know, after she washes her hands, just grab it and look at a page. She doesn't have to see the words. That image. Uh, is going to bring with it uh, all of that uh, that message, which is why you know, we make use of art uh, in various forms in the in the church service. But what we need to do is teach people that that color green that we're using this time of the year uh, here here's five Bible passages that are tied to it, so that when you come to church, these things can come to mind. When you see the the robe, uh, you can remember that. Your, just like pastor's uh, coffee-stained shirt is covered and you don't see it, uh, God doesn't see my sin. I'm covered. And so the, the image can do the preaching, uh, even if you haven't read the words or someone hasn't spoken those words, if those words are tied there at some point. So if I have those, those images tied and we make use of them, uh, it comes to, to mind quicker and quicker. And and to the point of like uh, images that have to do with, with with our lives, which might mean that you know uh, that it'll need to be updated in fifteen years because <laughs> uh, style of dress and things have gone uh, out of style. Um, yeah, well then let's update it every fifteen years. Go for it. Yeah. Um, let's let people see this is this is not a textbook. This is. Uh, God showing himself to me, God showing his love to me, uh, and uh, yeah, get get artists busy, busy doing that stuff. Yeah, we're, so we're approaching now, so I'm going to ask one more question, and they can see whatever, and then whatever you want to ask, Michael. I took over. I said I wanted. <laughs> I, I think an odd thing the catechism does for people who don't, co- I thought this was odd coming out of Catholicism, um, and we had a catechism in Catholicism, we just didn't use it, right, in, in CCD. It's as big as a phone book. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. If you know what a phone book is, most uh, Gen Y yeah. don't know what a phone it's, book it's is. It's way so. huge. And it does read like a textbook. Um, but students, I shouldn't say, I see, I just fell into it. Christians with the catechism, disciples, don't just learn answers, they learn questions. Hmm. And that struck me coming into Lutheranism, and it's something that as I get older, I maybe appreciate more. Um, there's a certain value in learning what questions you should ask. Part of raising a child is even, right, teaching them, well, what are the questions we should... Because life is full of questions. I, can, I could spend my whole life asking... I mean, this is... I joked in presenting today about you, know, you fall in a rabbit hole on the Internet... Well, why? Because you, like, one question takes you, and then you've got next. And would you say that what's frustrating as a professor of the mod, the the contemporary college student is not, oh, they don't work hard, or they're always on their phone, they don't know how to ask the right questions. And and I I we hit on this a little bit yesterday. Um, we had some very good questions that people asked about. You know, well, people don't feel as guilty from sin today. How do you? And you know, I said I don't think people are less burdened. I think they just don't. How they get to what they're burdened about is different. They don't know um, how to diagnose it in the same way. What is um, 
in your view, what's the value of, I guess, A, teaching people questions, but B, the specific questions that I think we would all agree rather brilliantly that Luther has us ask as the foundational questions that he means for us to return to through what Luther himself prayed his own catechism because it wasn't his own catechism. Right. He was praying, as you mentioned, there's a long history. He's, mm-hmm. he's praying the creed, the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments. Um, I don't know if what I just said makes any sense, but if there's anything you guys have that maybe makes well, it clear, right, and I'd appreciate right away, it. there's always a, there's an epistemological question. Where is this written? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, the, what, what's the backup here? It's, it's, it's right to the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's like when breakfast uh, right now, uh, not right now because uh, my boys are in Georgia and I'm not in Georgia, uh, but uh, at breakfast. Would you I, say that you have Georgia on your mind? I do have Georgia on my mind. Sorry. Was we, that we from did before, so when, did, when did that come out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when, when we do that uh, and uh, those questions are asked, um, what does this mean? Where is this written? Uh, it's forming in them just by echoing it, the cat echo idea. Mm-hmm. Just by echoing it, doing it again and again, uh, what they're hearing again and again and again is forming in them how to seek. Which seek is, and you will find. Which is a good... I never thought about that way, which is a good answer to the educator who says, this is just rote. Well, good. Yeah, good. But more than that. Yeah. And, and right, God does this in the Bible again and again. Why are these rocks here by the Jordan? Why are we eating this food at the Passover? Right? He, he builds it in. Um, but yeah, I'm, Tom, do you have thoughts on that? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's always been interesting to me that Luther had to, he could have just written a doctrinal statement. Like, think of our own synod and, like, this we believe. That's not a, the questions are, it's, here's what we, what stands out, if anything, about that? It's easy to say he's a genius teacher, but he was working from a position of weakness, right? And, and. They didn't see success lying ahead of them. Think of taking the subject of baptism and reducing it to four questions, and and you know, you're you're right about. And then if somebody says, "Well, who's your authority?" He always says, "Where's this written?" It's beautiful. It, it's simple. It's 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 genius in a way, but it's it's beautiful and it. Um, the the whole book was as i understand it was 20 20 sheets <coughs> somebody said to me i wanted to write you a short letter but i didn't have time <laughs> you, you, you you know you yep, you, yep. you get that whole thing i got a, a sister who once a year i'll get a six page letter from her and you think could you just send me a text every once in a while but you know that's 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 that point yeah. it fits so. on the wall you know, you print it out, mm-hmm. um, you get these broadsheets, mm-hmm. fit, fit on the wall in your home. The same as a, mm-hmm. a Leonard Skinner poster. <laughs> well, I would say... Or yeah, it, Siamese Dream. And, well, this is full circle because we started off with, with the home altar, that there's like a physical space. And the broadsheet idea, right, is, is to put a physical thing there, right? Um, so, yeah, Luther, I mean... We could talk. We we really should have a an episode on Luther the Educator, right? Quite a quite a bit of things that he we kind of take for granted. Like you know, we could educate girls. Mm-hmm. That would be a good idea. That was well, yeah. like Luther. Oh, you're not Luther. saying like this is an original idea you had? No. Okay. Like Luther was like, hey, maybe we could educate yeah. everybody. Um, you know, but but then with the catechism, like you brought up, like visuals. He knew branding. He knew the power of music, right? His catechism was put into hymns. Um, he knew all of. He knew you got to keep it small and simple. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, put it on a broadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. You could see it all at once, maybe even. Um, so, kind of maybe even ahead of his time, a little bit in a lot of those things. So, yeah, 
That was a good episode, I think. I, I think yeah. we did two good episodes. And I think that who knew I, all we needed to do to do good episodes was drive to Nebraska. I think I, I really like the idea of you know you think about the catechism as a summary of the Bible, but but better yet, your your explanation of a window into the Bible and mm-hmm. what is all about this is getting to Christ and the gospel That's so that we are, yeah. we are, otherwise what's the point? Otherwise right? what's and the point? And we, so we completely failed as we're about to wrap up. No, I was, Tom, we normally tell our guests how we end and there's a thing they do. Do you get something free? For, do I get bling or something? Yes, or we have stickers. We have, have I do stickers. have stickers. Yeah. Stickers? Yeah, yeah multiple oh. stickers. Wow. But um, the I'm, guest usually says something at the end which we forgot to tell I'm you. I'm kind of awkwardly. So I'm going to lead it, I'm going to leave it up to you. You can throw it to Dan or you can try to see if you can get time to figure it out. Okay. Tom, I'm going to awkwardly say something, and then I'm going to point to you, and you're going to say, let the bird fly. Okay. That's okay. So I'm going to say, as I was before, before I was interrupted by the guy who said he was not going to interrupt me. Was that today, Dan? Dan? That was that? Dan, um, who I may or may not be related to. This is about getting to the gospel. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And the gospel frees you. And the gospel frees you to go live, like follow the table of duties, Right and to be the saint that God has made. But also, he has given us a world back to us that we can enjoy. So, dear listener, after all everything is done for you in Christ, there's nothing left to do but... Let that free bird fly. <laughs> Skinner. <laughs> all right. Another round, another round.